Hey, good morning. It's good to see you guys today. Uh, if you're a first time here at the Grove, I want to say welcome. Thanks for coming. My name is Eric Montoya, Pastor of the Grove, and we are thrilled that you're here and you take a, an hour out of your week to come hang out with us and be with us. And uh, we're just always thrilled. I want to say welcome to all those tuning online. Thanks for being with us also. We appreciate you guys just tuning in uh, throughout the week and even today. And so thanks for being with us. Uh, this series, uh, The Ascent, uh, we're comparing it to the climbing a mountain, right, to try, trying to get to the top of a mountain, uh, to summit something that's really difficult, really hard. And uh, the faith journey can sometimes be like that. And so we're taking some uh, comparisons to that, and we're, we're walking through the Psalms. There's a section of, of the Psalms, 120 through 134, that's called the Songs of Ascents. And essentially, uh, these are the songs that talk about the journey from people, of people that are going back to Jerusalem during the celebration uh, three times a year. And they're, they're looking forward to going and worshiping at the temple. And for me, and I, t- I said this the first week, that this is very – what we do on Sundays is very similar to what they would be doing in going back to Jerusalem. They're going back to the temple to worship, right? So we're gathering in a church, uh, in a building to, to come together to learn and to celebrate and to, to grow, to be challenged. And that's what they were doing three times a year, back, going back to the temple. So it's really an exciting moment for them to be able to, uh, these, these three different celebrations, to leave their villages, some, in some cases very far away, and travel, make this pilgrimage all the way back. And so what we're doing as people is we're kind of like uh, the Christian faith is compared to a pilgrimage, right? That we are on this journey, that earth is not our home, but heaven's our home. And so we're walking, and, and on this journey that, uh, of, of the faith journey of climbing, um, if we're going to be successful, we need to have some skills in life. Right? It, Paul, Paul says it like, kind of like this. He says that if we're following Christ, um, that we need to go from one, one degree of glory to the next. So we can say the faith journey is a process of growing from one degree to the next. That we're continually saying, I want to get better, I want to improve, I want God to work in my life so I continually to grow and, and, and get better and better each, each day or each, each year uh, throughout my life. And so today, if you're here, you're, maybe this is the first time you're at church, maybe you haven't been here for a long time, uh, we're going to be talking about some skills when it applies to life. And so whether you're following Jesus or not, these principles will apply to your life and help you uh, because they're, uh, the, what they are is the principles and skills that help you be successful in relationships, in life, in finances, all of those, all right? And so we're, uh, if you haven't been to church for a long time and it's your first time, we're so glad you're here and uh, we welcome questions you have and we want to help you on the journey, all right? Uh, but, if, but this faith journey, and, and if we're going to be successful in life, whatever that looks like, uh, we need to learn some skills, right? In fact, uh, we, we say it like, well, let me, let me compare it to this. If... if if you were to invite me to go on a climb, a really climb like to Mount Everest, and you were an experienced climber, right, and, and uh, you had the experience and, and you knew I was going to be facing uh, life or death scenarios, um, and I knew that, um, and you invited me because you had this experience to go and climb Mount Everest or whatever mountain it was, um, and you invited me on this journey, I would do a few things. I would ask you as many questions as I could possibly think of about what to prepare for, what I need to do to prepare for this journey. So I wouldn't just jump in because I know when people do that, they tend to not end so well. And so I would ask you a lot of questions, and then I would ask other people. I would research, and I would, I would ask a lot of people other that have done it before to give me advice to help me on this journey. Like, what are the skills that I need, need to be able to summit this really hard mountain? Because if I don't learn them, if I'm not prepared for them, um, I might not make it back down, right? I might go up but never come back down, which many do um, when it comes to like some of these large mountains like Mount Everest. They go up, but they don't come down. And, and so I would ask you a lot of, a lot of questions. Um, and, and this is what I know about, about people that are in life, they're trying to succeed. Uh, they ask others questions and, and advice on how to be better in marriage and parenting, right, um, in different ways to skills to be able to succeed. And so this series is really about that, it's saying here's some skills for life, here's some skills for the faith journey that we need to have so we can summit, right? And I would, I would, uh, I would ask a lot of, because I knew if I didn't um, follow your advice, I potentially could die on the mountain. 
In fact, I'm sure some of the advice I would get from, if you were the experienced climber or others, they would talk about nutrition, they would talk about equipment, they would talk about practicing some of these things, uh, being prepared, right? They would talk about uh, just all the different components and, and elements to that. Uh, they might give me advice like, you know, to, to get some extra exercise in instead of parking really close to the store when you're shopping, park like at the end of the parking lot and walk so you get some extra steps in. If you have a, at work, if you have, have opportunity to take the stairs, man, take the stairs, you know, just to get a little extra in. Uh, nutrition and food, they'd probably tell me to cut out some certain things in my life that wouldn't help me be healthy, right? They'd talk about exercise. And if I was wise, I would take their advice to prepare for this climb, right? And the same is true for us in this life. If you were wise, uh, want to be a wise person, you learn to, to learn the skills, to ask for those questions, take the advice of those that come your way, and begin to apply them so that you succeed on this journey, all right? In fact, being a disciple, being a Jesus follower, it's not about knowing information about God. It's actually acquiring skills in faith. That's what it means to be a Jesus follower, a Christian, is we're, we're trying to say, what are the skills that I need to learn so I can practice on a daily basis so that I can be a healthy individual, that I can become what God wants me to become? I can continually improve, right, allow him to work in my life. So it's about becoming. Uh, Jesus is very concerned. God's very concerned with who we're becoming, not just what we know. And church can sometimes become, and our culture can become just, it's what, what you know, it's not what you do. Um, it's, it's, it's what you know, it's not who you are. And the, the Bible is reversed. It's more about who you are than just what you know. Uh, the knowing is important, but it's acting and behaving in a certain way that God is really looking for. All right? Um, as, as last year we were preparing for this series, I watched a couple different uh, documentaries and, and some different series on climbing. And one of the series that I found on, I think it was on Prime, Amazon Prime, uh, it was about these, this team that goes up Everest, right? And there's this one got climber from uh, the States, from California, who's, who's, um, he, he begs to be on this team. And he, it's really, it's a lot of money to get on these teams, I guess. I was, I was, I was watching, I was like, wow, that's, that's a lot of money. And so he gets on the team, he begs to be a part of it. Uh, but even though he's on the team, he, the, the, the main guide, he makes them go through these different tests, right, along the way to make sure that they're ready to summit the really high peak. And uh, at any point, if they fail, they're off the team and they go home and they pay their money, they pack their bags, they go home. And so it's a lot of work to get there. And then it's a lot of work while you're there. And so this guy, Tim, um, this whole time, he's, he's kind of struggling. And, and the, the main guy is like, I don't know if he's going to make it. He's considering throwing him off the team a few times. But Tim just, he, he pushes through and, and he's showing he's really tough. And so the, the main guy was, he said, but I'm just afraid that when you get to the top, that in, in a life or death situation, you're not going to listen to me. And, and sure enough, it's the last day of the climb, and um, Tim gets a later start than the other guys on his team. And so the other guys on his team, uh, they get to the, the, the summit where I guess there's one path, and, and, and when the, the weather is nice, that path fills up with a ton of people. And so it takes a long time just to get up this ladder because there's a whole bunch of climbers trying to get through this one little part of the mountain. And so it becomes Tim's late. Um, it's taking him longer and longer. His team summits the top, and they're up there with their flags and pictures and stuff, you know, and all that. And he's still trying to get there. And um, and at one point, the the main guy who's watching, uh, the, the main guy, he's watching with the camera, and he's he's giving talking to his his sherpas, his his, his climbing guys. And at one point, he says he does does a math, and he says, Tim, um, you don't have enough oxygen to get to the top and back down because you know how how fast Tim goes, not as fast as the other guys. And and so he says, Tim, uh, you need to turn around. And Tim. He says no, <laughs> and the guy's like, Tim, you have to turn around. So they're trying to argue with him, you know, like, like, no, Tim, you don't know what's going on because up there in the mountain, you're, you're on very little oxygen, and so you're not thinking straight, and all Tim can know is he's, he's just a few hundred feet from the summit. Like, he's been training for this and doing this his whole life for a long time, and he just wants to make it to the summit, and, and, and 
the guide says, he says, no, you can't. You, you're gonna run, even if you make it to the top, you're going to die on the way down because you don't have no oxygen. And you're going to put my guys at risk. And then they get in this heated conversation. And eventually the guy says, fine, I'm pulling my guys off. And he tells his, his Sherpa to, to just come back down. He says, leave him. And, and he says, and finally, one last ditch effort. He says, Tim, if you look just ahead of you, uh, there's a few feet ahead of you, you'll see a little um, body that's slumped over the side. He said, that's the guy that didn't listen to his guide either. That's going to be you if you don't listen. He said, finally, Tim's like, yeah, I want to make the summit, but I really don't want to die up there. So he finally turns around, right? Just, it's an interesting uh, story. And he comes back down. But here's the thing. Um, pride in Tim's life almost cost him his life because he thought he knew more than the guide. And the guy's like, Tim, I, I, I've done this a lot of times year after year. You're going to die. Just come down. And uh, he's like, you're going to make, you're going to put my, my, my chirpas at risk, lives at risk. And he's like, you're not, you're not being true to our agreement, all that. So finally he comes down and uh, he's so disappointed because he was so close, but he didn't make it. And so I haven't seen the next episode, the next season, but he goes back to try it a second time. I'm interested to see if Tim makes it. All right. But anyways, um, pride almost killed him. All right. And, and the thing is, it, even though he trained, even though he's got ready, he passed some of these tests. Uh, there was a point in the journey where he thought he knew better than others. Um, and if he didn't finally change his mind, he would have actually died on the mountain because he'd have run out of oxygen. And every year, many uh, climbers do for different reasons, some because of pride, some because they weren't prepared. Others, they didn't know the skills. They were on the wrong team, didn't have the right people around them. Uh, others just for different mistakes, right, different things, um, getting getting um, too much lack of oxygen and, and fluid built up in the brain, things like that and, and um, on this journey. So here's the point of this is in our life, if, if the faith journey and, and the journey we're on is we're wanting to be successful in life, we have to learn skills to be able to do that. And so these psalms are helping us pull out some different skills that would help us to know if you're on this journey of ascending your life, ascending the mountain, ascending whatever it is, work, relationships, here's some skills you need to learn. All right, so let's read one, Psalm 131. That's what it says. Psalm 131 says, God, I'm not trying to rule the roost. I don't want to be king of the mountain. I haven't meddled where I have no business or fantasized grandiose plans. I've kept my feet on the ground. I've cultivated a quiet heart. Like a baby content in its mother's arms, my soul is a baby content. Wait, Israel, for God. Wait with hope. Hope now. Hope always. So the Psalms 131 is one of the shortest psalms that we find in the Bible. So there's a couple of really short ones. This is one of those. Um, it packs a lot in it, but it's very short. And um, it's, it's a humble psalm because it is about humility. And so it's very, very to the point, and uh, we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, so we'll go back and read through some of the different parts. CS, so this psalm is about humility, and today I want to talk a little about humility and talk about maturity and talk about uh, being patient with our lives and our lives, all right? Um, so he, this is what C.S. Lewis says about humility. C.S. Lewis says, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. So humility is not making us um, sound like we're nothing, right? doesn't put us in this position where we're, we're less than everybody else and we allow people to walk on us because we're nobody and we're nothing. Right? That's not humility. That's something completely different. Humility is just thinking of yourself less. You're not as important as you, as you think you are, right? True humility, one author says, is knowing yourself, accepting yourself, and being your best self to the glory of God. So it's, it's understanding there's, that we're unique. We're made in, in, in different ways, right? And I'm not like you. You're not like me. And we celebrate the differences. We celebrate who we are. And we do the best that we can with what we have to the glory of God is what this author says. So, the, so pride, uh, which is a really major issue that almost cost him his life on the mountain, but it costs a lot of people their marriages, um, their, 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 um, in work, in school. It just, it, it, pride messes up a lot. This is what pride is. Pride is thinking ourselves more important than we really are. Pride is thinking that we are more important than we really are. It's thinking of ourselves more. Pride is the original sin that caused 
uh, Lucifer, Satan, to fall from heaven. Right? He's, he got kicked out of heaven because of this. Uh, pride is the uh, the root part of uh, the sin that caused Adam and Eve to lose their their place in the Garden of Eden. Uh, pride is is at the is the, is, the, is the starting point of every sin that you'll ever ever commit or encounter. That's where it starts. Because pride is this idea that we know more than God knows, that we are smarter than other people, that we know better than even what God would say. And it costs Lucifer, it costs Adam and Eve, and it costs a lot of people relationships and a lot of things in life because we let it creep in. And so this psalm is about humility, and and pride is one of those things that we combat. Um, There's two extremes, right? There's pride on one side. The pride is uh, where we think we know better than everybody else, including God, and we do our own thing. Uh, the other extreme we talked about is, is thinking nothing of yourself, and that's not the extreme God wants. Both of those, you'll end up in the ditches of both of those. Humility is really trying to say there's a better path for you. If you'll walk it, if you'll follow it, God has a better path for you. Um, in life, humility is, is hard to define. And uh, one, one guy says, when you, when you think you have it, that's an indication that you don't, right? Um, and as soon as you state that you do, you, you just lost it. Um, I, it, it said that um, Muhammad Ali, he says, it's hard to be humble when you're so great, right? And... It's true. Oscar Levin, I like this. He says, what the world needs is more geniuses with humility. And there are so few of us left, right? <laughs> if that's your statement, you're lacking some humility, right? You're missing it. And in life, um, pride, what, what's so hard about humility and pride is, is, is our culture is now beginning to elevate pride. It's beginning to elevate this idea that uh, we just do what we want to do whenever we want to do it, do whatever it takes to get ahead, Right, and we celebrate that when somebody's successful, even when they stepped on others, it's like, yeah, they made it. That's that's what we should do, and we begin out of it where we celebrate a lot of times pride in people's lives. Scripture says God He rejects the proud, like He 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 is arms like to those that, that are proud. He's like you're missing out because you're 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 be thinking you're more important than you really are. You're becoming something you're not supposed to. So let's read Psalm 131 one more time, and we'll we'll talk about it a little bit, break it down. Right. So Psalm 131. This is written by King David, and it says this: God, I'm not trying to rule the roost. I don't want to be king of the mountain. I haven't meddled where I have no business or fantasized grandiose plans. So King David wrote this psalm, and, and the historians, they believe that he wrote this before he was king, which I would think would be very appropriate, right? Um, he's in a humble position, and he's not king yet. But I would say maybe the fact that he became king is because he had this kind of perspective. As he wrote from, from this song to God of saying, All right, I'm not trying to be bigger than I am. I'm not trying to be somebody more important than I really am. God, I'm just trying to... Um, just be who you want me to be. And so he's, he's showing humility. He's showing that he's open to what God has to say, right? Um, next part says, um, oh, so pride um, is is ongoing battle we all face. Even the disciples that Jesus chose, they had this issue also. In fact, uh, throughout scriptures over and over, they have these arguments uh, with each other about who's the greatest, right? I'm the greatest. No, I'm going to be the greatest. When we get to heaven, I'm going to sit next to Jesus. And I'm going to be ruling all this. And, and, and they would go back and forth about who was the greatest because they were part of Jesus' team, right? And, and over and over, Jesus is trying to like show them, guys, you're missing the point. It's not about more power. It's not about having more control. There's something different here that's going on. And over and over, they would fight it. And so, in fact, um, in Matthew 18, it says this about the disciples. About that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, all right, Jesus, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? What's interesting about this portion of scripture is Matthew, it's, it's the book, Matthew is recording it, and he's writing the, the, the stories and the accounts of Jesus and the disciples. And up to this point, he's written some really fantastic things about Peter, right? So Peter, um, he, he went on the high mountain to see Jesus transform, transfiguration. Uh, he walked on water up to this point. Um, God used Peter a few, a few great ways. 
And so I can only imagine Peter maybe even started this conversation like, guys, I am the greatest. Do you see I walked on water? Man, I'm accomplishing some great things in my life. And I can imagine the argument, right? So finally the disciples said, all right, Jesus, settle this once and for all. Who's the greatest, right, in the kingdom of heaven? Uh, What's going on here? Um, And and this is what Jesus says. So Jesus says, all right, guys, come here. Let me talk about the greatest. And it says that he called a little child to him. And he put the child among them. And he said, I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, You'll never get into the kingdom of heaven. So anyone who becomes humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So he's saying unless you repent, right? The word that you there he would use is repent. That is to change your inner self, your old way of thinking, right? Uh, that your life, and then you begin to live a changed life, right? We live changed lives. That repentance means is we change our old way of thinking, let God work in ourselves, and we, we change the way we're living. And he says that if you become like a child, like children, well, what does a child do? A child he trusts. He's humble. He's forgiving, right? So he's saying if, if you will trust like a child right, and humble yourself, that means that you, you turn your, your, your back on, on self-righteousness or pride and you begin to adopt a realistic view of your, of your own life. That's what, that's what he's saying. If you'll humble yourself, if you'll say, all right, it's not about being the best, not being the most important. It's not about my, my ambitions that are out of control or whatever. It's, it's about having a realistic view. It's about having trust. It's about um, trusting God for that, right? And so Jesus, is, he's telling the disciples, guys, you're missing the point. In fact, if you all know this, and he points to a child and says, this is the kind of faith that you need to have to be part of the kingdom of God. And there's two parts to it. So he's talking about children and our, our approach to how we should help kids. But he's also talking about children of God in the sense that uh, when you begin to follow Jesus, you become, we become sons and daughters of the king, right? So we're brothers and sisters when, we, when we're part of the same team. He's saying in this sense, we have to become these, this one to have faith like that to be able to be part of the family, but then to begin to treat each other in, in a healthy way. And the rest of the, the chapter goes on and talks about how we should not make others stumble, not, not um, use our lives to, to hurt others, right, but to encourage others to help them move forward. Um, so then Psalm, let's go to the next part of Psalms 131. So after he says it's not about pride, right, he says, I've kept my feet on the ground, and I'm, 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 I'm aware, right, I have some, some foundation for my life, and um, I've, cu- I've cultivated a quiet heart. This idea that he's, he's working on, uh, to cultivate something means you work on the ground, right? So if you're going to plant something, you make sure the ground is correct, and you, you make sure it's soft and pliable. So what he's saying is I've cultivated, I've allowed God to work in my life so much that I mean, I've, I've got this place where I can listen and hear God. And he says, like a baby content in its mother's arms, my soul is a baby content. So Jesus has given us this, uh, God has given us through, through the Psalms, the center of life, how we can live with humility, right? And so uh, what, he, what, what he's using here is he's using an example of a baby who's been weaned, Right? So this is not a baby content in his mother because it just ate, but it's, it's in his mother's arms because it just ate. It's a baby that's content um, even though it doesn't, it's, it's not going to be fed anymore, right? Anybody gone through that process of weaning somebody, uh, weaning a kid, a child away from, from milk or um, from breastfeeding, right? It's, it's a process. It can, be, um, it can be a battle, right, in some cases. Um, for, for us, for us, for one of our kids, the hardest was weaning them from a little pacifier, right? That, that, they loved that little thing, and they took it everywhere. And there was a point where they're like, okay, you're like 12 years old, and you get rid of the pacifier, right? <laughs> Just kidding. They weren't that old. Um, but um, they had this pacifier, and we knew they were getting older, and we had to just kind of break it from that. And so weaning, weaning a child for something can be really tif- difficult, right? Because it's a battle between the wheels, right? This baby's like, no, I want the milk. And you're like, no, you can't have the milk anymore. You know, you have to start eating you know, more solid food and, and growing up. You're, you're, you have to grow up now. And the baby's like, I don't want to grow up. I want to stay a baby, right? And there's this battle between this child and the parents of who's going to win, right? And uh, it, could be, it could be really intense. 
And, and so when David is, is talking about this, he's talking about this process that he's gone through this process of immaturity, of wanting God to provide everything for him, to now saying, okay, I'm now a weaned child, a weaned baby who's just going to be content. Um, in the Christian faith, you know, when, when, when people start following Christ, there's this moment that, that you'll face this weaning, right? And, and you get this, I'll hear it sometimes like, man, I don't know if I'm still a Christian because it doesn't feel the same way. Like, it felt so much different when I first started following Christ, and now it just doesn't feel the same. Like, is God mad at me? Did I walk away from him? What's going on? And usually the answer is neither. You're in a moment where God is trying to help you grow up and help you mature. What happens, same thing that happens with a baby, right? So you, 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 you get all the blessings, you get all of the comfort, you get all the, the care from, from the mom and the, and the nourishment and the food, but at some point they're saying, now you have to grow up. And sometimes when we, when we go through this process, it can be feel, we can feel kind of like, but you don't love me. And like, no, I love you because I'm trying to help you grow up and mature. You can't stay this way forever. And in the Christian journey, the Christian faith, there's these moments in life where sometimes we feel like that. And what God is trying to say is, all right, up to this point, you've, you've cared for me. You want a relationship with me because I can provide for you. And that's okay. That, that's for, for kids, that's, that's fine. For children, for, for babies, I'm going to provide. I'm going to take care of you. But there's this moment where he says, but I want you to have a relationship with me, not just what I can give you and for the blessings, but I want you to have a relationship with me because of who I am. And if you don't do that, all you'll do your whole life is you'll be sucking your thumb and saying, give me, 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 give me. And when I don't give it to you, you're going to cry and complain and say, you're not fair. You don't love me. You're not a good God because you're not giving me what I want. And you'll stay immature and you'll stay a baby in the faith. You'll never grow up. And God says those are some of the worst people we can have in the church because they never help anybody else but themselves. And so the weaning process, God says, you have to now grow up. So you're going to face some things that might be a little tough, tough and difficult. But it's not because I don't love you. It's because I love you so much that I want you to mature and strengthen and grow. Right? I, I read a story. Um, I like to read uh, different books on psychology and counseling things. That I just, I, just it, it intrigues me. And one of the authors that I like, he, um, he, was writing, he was talking about some different stories of encounters he had with, with people and he had this woman come to his office and said, um, in my life, I'm, I'm, having, I'm, I'm struggling with all these things, right? My husband's not demanding. He's a good husband. My kids are good kids. I just, I just, she used the word flaky. I'm very flaky. I just can't follow through. I start stuff, but I, I don't stop it. And when, when the family comes home, dinner's not ready, and I didn't finish the laundry because I got distracted. And, and so the counselor's talking to her and says, well, tell me a little about your, about your childhood. And she says, well, my parents did everything for me. Like, they, I never had to do anything. They gave me anything I wanted. And essentially, the counselor says, well, so it sounds like you never grew up, right? And in, you, in, in, in a loving way, he says, there's, you have to begin to put yourself in situations that's going to help you grow up now. Like, you didn't get it when you were young, so now as an adult, you have to do this. And so he gave, him, gave her some ideas of how to do that and, um, and checked in on her a, few, a while later, and she began to do it because she realized that uh, when you're small, you have an out, outside support system that's saying, we want to help you grow up. Right. And as you mature, you become that should become from the inside out. You now saying, I want the discipline because I choose it, not because somebody else is forcing me. Well, immature person, immature uh, baby, they have to have the outside. And if they never mature, then for the rest of their life, they'll have to have outside. Right. And, and God is saying, I don't want to ever leave people that way because it won't do them any good. Because when they're when they're older and they're trying to be in, in the journey in a, in a healthy way, they'll struggle with the rest of their life. And I don't want that for them. And so David is talking about this, right? So it's like a baby that's content in his mother's arms. My soul is a baby content. He's, he's writing this imagery of him just like relaxing, and he's saying, God, you're a good God, and I'm just content with life. Like, like you're going to provide. You're going to take care of me. I don't have to demand. I don't have to have my way. I'm going to trust you for whatever you want to do. So he's saying, here's, here's what we need to have the center of life. Is, 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 it's got to be humility. 
We've got to trust God with this. So here's some characteristics that make for humility, all right? This is the opposite of what babies have and what we should have as we mature, right? So characters of humility, is first one is trust. There's a point, and this is the battle, right? The kid's like, I don't know if I can trust my parent because they're not giving me something I want. But at some point, we have to, we have to really earn the trust of our, of our children if they're going to mature, right? So it takes trust. If you have humility, you have to begin to trust, one, uh, that God has, the, has your best at mind. That's, that's one of the starting points that the script talks about is God has good plans for your life. He wants to help you succeed. You have to trust him in that, right? The second one is dependence. Um, not, the, not the unhealthy dependence of saying, I need, I want, I have to have my way. But this is just saying, God, I depend on you to help me know what to do. In the middle of this, I'm going to be able to walk forward, right? And so we begin to move forward. Um, the desire to make others happy. Um, that's a big part of, of maturity, right? When you're a little kid, everything's about making me happy. But at some point, as you mature, the challenge is now can we live in a way that actually doesn't just want for ourselves, but we want for others as well, right? So the desire to help others to, to find happiness, to find success in life. And then the third thing for humility, and this is also, I would say, even for, for maturity, right? Um, the absence um, of selfish desires to be greater than others. If there's an absence of this desire within us that we have to be greater than others. And if we're not, Man, then we have to one-up them. We have to do something to show them what we are, right? And that's where pride enters in. And so it's this absence of, of, of not having to be greater all the time than everybody else, right? The, another word the Bible uses is boasting, right? Uh, we, we want celebrity rather than being servants. And, and the Bible says it's not about celebrity. It's not about everybody knowing you. It's about doing what God is asking you to do. It's, it's about being a servant, right? And so it's, he's inviting us on this journey of saying if, if you're going to climb successfully, Here's one of those things you need to have in your life, a characteristic, right, um, to be able to, to, to be humble and trust that God's going to lead you where he wants you to be, and you, you trust him. In fact, he ends the psalm by saying this, wait, Israel, for God, wait with hope, hope now, hope always. Uh, psalm 130 is all about hope, and, and we talked to, in the video over the week, it says this, that, that um, hope is really about patience, right? It's a patient expectation that we're trusting God, that even though it's not happening right now, uh, we want it right now, but it's not happening. We're saying, God, I trust you. I expect that you're going to lead me to that time when it's the right time, right? And, and really, patience is a sign of maturity. It's one of the things that we begin to see in our kids when they're maturing is now they don't have to, it's delayed gratification, right? We don't have to have it right now. We can wait for a little while, and we can wait in some cases many some days and some weeks, and even some cases years to get to where we need to go because we're being patient. We're expecting for it to happen, but it's not the right time yet. And that's what hope is. It's a patient expectation of what God's going to do in our lives, that we're trusting him to lead us there, right? Um, so we're able to wait and, and, and wait on what God wants to do. Uh, in Philippians, Paul says it this way when it comes to our lives. He says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Be humble. Think of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take, take on the interest of others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. To say in our lives, he says, don't, be, don't make it about you, right? If you're going to follow Christ, if you, if you know what life is really about, we begin to look for others to help others. We look in a way to, to, to be able to live our lives where um, we're thinking of others, not just of ourselves. And, he says, if, if, and then he goes on and says, if you want to know how, how this was done, let's look at how Jesus did it, right? And he gives us an example. He says this, he says, though he was God, to have the same attitude as Christ Jesus, though Jesus was God, he did not think of equality as God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position as a slave and was born as as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. And for Jesus, he said he counted that joy because he knew what that death was going to produce. 
in our lives, God is saying, if you'll trust me, if you'll become this kind of person, if you'll have this kind of attitude, the same one Jesus has, you're not fighting for this position of saying, I'm the most important. I need to have more power. I need to be the best at everything I could possibly be at because uh, otherwise I'm, I'm not successful. He's saying, no, like, do your best. Yeah, I'm not saying don't ever be successful or don't try hard. He's saying, learn to be able to be content in the middle of what you're doing. Even when others are better than you, even when others are, things are going better for others, you're not, you're not comparing yourselves, right? See, immature children, comparison is a struggle, right? It's a, um, I want more. I have to be better. It's a selfish, uh, selfishness that we're fighting for, our own rights and for what we want. And God is saying, if you really want to be successful in life, you have to break those things in your life. You have to leave the things of a child, of a baby there, and begin to grow up and mature on this journey of life, all right? So for here, for me, here's my challenge for us today, all right? My challenge, will you, would you choose God's center for your life? What I mean by that is you're not chasing pride and selfishness. You're not thinking of yourself less and not doing anything, but you're saying, God, what is that center you have for me? What, is that, what are the things, that, the journey you're calling me on, right? And, and like, like um, the psalm says, like wait and hope for God. Wait, hope for God, and don't ever stop hoping and, and waiting for him to speak. Right, this idea that as, as a baby was waiting for the mom to, uh, to, to speak to him, that we're saying, God, you know what the next steps are for me. I'm going to wait. I'm going to listen for the word that you have for me in this moment so I can move forward. See, impatience and not waiting for God is what gets a lot of people in trouble. We go forward with it. If Adam and Eve would have had a little more patience and just said, you know what, if I make the decision, I should really seek God's counsel, they wouldn't have made the decision. And in your life, if you look back over mistakes you made, I guarantee if you, say, if you look back and say, man, if I would have been a little more patient, and not jumped in, it would have been better. It happened to the father of our faith, Abraham, right? He, he, he knew God spoke to him, but he got impatient, and he made a decision uh, to try to take it in his own hands. Moses tried to take, it, take it the, what God was asking him to do in his own hands. He didn't wait for God. He got impatient. Those are all signs of immaturity. And the way we mature is that now we have to go through this process of, of God allowing us to uh, go through difficulties so that we can then begin to realize that, man, there's something in us that has to change and be developed. We have to leave the old ways and begin to follow the new ways. So in your life, my, my challenge this week, would you, would you ask God, God, what is that center? How can I be humble? How can I show that um, I'm, I'm thinking of myself less and asking you to show me the, what you have for my life and how I can love others, right? That's, those are the two main things Jesus says. If you love God, love others, and you sum up all scripture. How can I show myself walking on this path, right, the center that you're asking me to, 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 to go up, and just follow what you're asking me to do. Do you remember um, in, um, there's, there's um, a story in Luke. Um, he tells us, Jesus tells a story of these two guys. And it's, it's an example of humility and pride. And he says this. He says in Luke 18, he says, Then Jesus told this story to some, of, to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and those that scorned everybody else. He said this. So Jesus is meeting with a whole bunch of very pow- powerful people. And in this, in this dinner that he's having, the, these Pharisees and tax collectors, all these religious people are there, and, and um, um, he, he's talking to them. He says, he tells a story that there's two men that went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, and the other was a despised tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I'm not like other people, cheaters, sinners, adulterers. I'm certainly not like the tax collector. Man, I fast twice a week, and I give you a tenth of my income. So the righteous, the religious man, self-righteous man, he stood up, right? The opposite of what David was singing about in Psalm 131. He was wanting to rule the roost. He was wanting to be grandiose, grandiose plans and 
in, in, in making himself pop big, right? And, and his prayer is so full of pride and arrogance of saying, God, I am so great. And I'm so glad that you didn't make me like these other people that are pitiful. But Jesus says, but there was a tax collector, a sinner, somebody who knew that, that was despised by the people of his time because tax collectors most likely were is, uh, uh, Jewish, but they worked for the Romans and they took the money from the Jewish people. So they were despised because of that. So this tax collector, it says that he didn't even dare to go in right. He, he, he stood at a distance at the temple. He dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, Oh God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. And Jesus says, I tell you, this sinner, the tax collector, the one that people thought the least of, not the Pharisee, went home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, but those who humble themselves will be exalted. And Jesus tells a story to talk about the kingdom of heaven. He says, in, in life, we tend to be the Pharisee that wants everybody to know how important we are, how great we are. And God is saying, you're missing it. You're missing it. That's what caused Lucifer to lose his place in heaven. That's what caused Adam and Eve to lose their place in the Garden of Eden. That kind of approach only gets us in trouble. He says, but if you don't know the right approach, is to acknowledge really what's going on, acknowledge really who you are. Right? What Jesus says, unless you repent and change, and become like children, they're trusting, that are humble. And you humble yourselves, you will not be part of the kingdom of God. You'll miss it. And he gives us the option in life. If you want to know the kind of people that God embraces, it's the humble. It's the person that's honest. It's the person that says, God, like the, like the, like the tax uh, collector, right? Oh, God, be merciful to me. Man, I'm a sinner. And I'm not perfect. I messed up, Right? Very simple prayer, very honest prayer, a humble prayer. Say, God, I, I can't do it on my own. I need your help. And at the Grove, I hope you realize this, that one of the things that we value a lot is being honest. Uh, we want honesty, right? It's because God wants honesty, because he can work with that. It's the person that doesn't think he needs God that he can't work with. He gives grace to the humble, but he rejects and re- resists the proud. That's what James says. You want grace? You have to humble yourself like a little child and recognize, and I'm not as good as I pretend to be all the time. I'm not always what God wants me to be, but God, I want you to, to, to show me and to lead me. And one of the things that we're going to do today before we end our service is if you're here today and maybe you're in, in this scenario, this story, you've, maybe you can say, I've been like the Pharisee. And that would be an excellent thing to admit because at times I've been like the Pharisee. And it's in those times that I get off track. It's those times I get led astray. And I begin to chase the wrong things. And it's about power. It's about control. It's about wealth. It's about all those things that aren't necessarily bad in themselves but can become bad. And it leads us away from those opportunities where God says, well, you just trust me. Let me lead your life. Let me, let me lead you to the, a place that's better for you than what you think. You think having all that stuff is great, but it's only going to lead you further away from me. Let me, choose, let me lead you in a better way that would, would help you to understand that I have better plans for life than you can imagine. And so today, as we end our service, if you're here today, I want to give an opportunity for those that would say, you know what, I, I need to humble myself. I have pride. It's led me to choose things where I think I know better than God. In fact, I think I, choose, I know better than everybody else in my life. That's pride. 
And when we live that way, we miss opportunities to learn from others. We miss opportunities for others to help us become better people. We miss opportunities for God to speak to us. And we say, God, I, I humble myself today. Today, if you're here, and uh, maybe maybe your whole life has been that way. Like, I just, I live for myself. I live to do what I want to do. And maybe you're at a point where you realize it's not working the way I wanted it to. And today, I want to ask God to lead me and help me. And others, if you're here and you've let pride creep in, I would say in your own ways, like the tax collector, you need to say, God, man, I have messed up. Would you forgive me? In your own words, maybe a simple prayer like, like he prayed. Just saying, God, I turn my attention to you. But if you're here today and you would like to start this journey with God, um, you would like to take the first step on this faith journey of saying, God, I invite you to lead me. I don't know, I'll give you an opportunity to pray. And I'm not going to call you down to the front. I'm going to lead you to pray right there in your seat. And I just invite you to start this relationship with God. It's a prayer of invitation saying, God, I invite you to lead me on this journey. So do me a favor. Would you close your eyes and bow your head today as we end our service? And if that's you, you're here and you would say, and I need God to help me. I want to ask God to forgive me. I want to ask God to give me some humility and to help me to have patience and to mature a little bit in my life that I would grow and I wouldn't stay stuck. And you're here and you're at a point where you say, God, I'm, I'm ready to surrender it all to you. I'm ready to follow your lead. I'm going to trust you to lead me in this journey. That's you and you're here today. Would you do me a favor? Lift your hand right there in your seat where you're at. Awesome. A few hands. Anybody else? Awesome. Good. All right. For you to raise your hand, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And if you're just following this room, would you pray with us so that those that raise their hand are not praying alone? Just say this prayer today. Say, God, forgive me of my mistakes, of my choices, of my pride that have led me away from you. Forgive me. Lead me on this journey of faith. I put my trust in you today. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on that cross so I could have new life. I say yes to you. I need your help. Guide me and lead me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, church, let's celebrate those that pray that prayer. Raise their hands and